nugget this morning? Fear will condition you. Fear will condition you. Fear will condition you to live the way Fear will condition you to live the way you don't want to live. Think about that for a moment. Okay. So Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks that as we look to your word, We get an instruction, Father God, thereby, Father God, as the instructions come, Father God, our faith is built up. So, Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'll start off with the title. This, I don't usually do this. But. <laughs> Who me? Who? Me. Gotta figure that one out. When reading or hearing a sermon, um, now, let me just stop right there. You know, my, my right eye had some difficulties. I had a tor torn retina in the back. And uh, there's a still a little fog bank. If you're walking in the fog, you know how you could see, but it's, you know, it's not as clear, so that's, that's what my eye, my right eye is doing. Plus, I have what they call cobwebs in it. That's where the blood that was released by the retina is floating in, in the gel back there, and it takes a while to dissolve, break up, and be removed out of the eye. So I'm seeing cobwebs, so my reading might be as... Okay. So if I call on someone to read, Amen. get ready. <laughs> I have to do this on my left eye. Okay, when reading or hearing a sermon, oftentimes we re realize that God is commanding us to come into service. Okay? Um, depending on the task, we may squirm a little or a lot. You know? um, at the uh, request or that he has. And there may be some objections that we have. Lord, not me. Who? Me? Okay, there you got it. I'm here to tell you, you're not alone, or not the first one to tell God, not me. I'm not the one you want. Okay. So if we'll turn to the Old Testament and find the book of Judges. That's Joshua, Judges. Anyone want to go to the sixth chapter of Judges? In this uh, sixth chapter... 
we read about Gideon. So let's drop down to the 12th verse of chapter 6 of Judges. Is it 6 I want? No, pardon me. Chapter 6, verse 12. Okay, that's chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, speaking of Gideon, and he said, said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Glory to God. How would you like the Lord to tell you that you are mighty and you're, you've got valor, you've got courage, you can do the job? Isn't that what he called you to do? <laughs> Verse 13 tells us all about Gideon. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all, why then is all this befallen us, and where be all this, his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Oh, wow, glory to God, that's not too good. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the uh, Mennonites, for I have sent, for ha, have I not sent thee? And here we go. Verse 15. And he said unto him, O Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So, don't pick me, send somebody else. What has the Lord been ta talking to you about lately? And what has your excuse been? You know, I know John's more qualified, so send him. And Laurel's been doing this. She can continue to do it. You know, we come up with all sorts of, you know, I'm the poorest one. I, my, I come from a small family. I come from across the tracks. Nobody knows me. And what did he say? In verse 12, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, thou mighty woman of valor. No excuses. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, we, we do, do have times of uh, shying away from the presence of God, like, like Dan said, and like the song said. I want to be in your presence. Well, to not do anything for the Lord is not being in his presence, especially when he calls us to do certain specific jobs. You know, you say, well, that, that's, you know, I don't want that job, Lord. It's, you know, it's be, below my means. Give me a better job. Hello. But usually, you know, like, pick somebody else. They're better qualified. God's not looking for that individual. He's, he's chosen you to do something, to pick up 
or run the race. You might be the last one in a relay race. We just had the Olympics uh, a few weeks back. And those, the last man on the leg there, he takes that baton and he, go, he runs for the gold. You might be the last one that God calls. And you have to run. Or you might be the first one that he called. You've got to start it up. Behold, my family is poor, and I am least in my father's house. Don't look at me. I don't have the education. I don't have the skills. I'm shy. Everybody, you know, whatever the excuse is, we we come up with it. Look at that. Nobody's nodding their head all they're saying. They look at their eyes are all and looking at somebody else. Okay. I am poor, at least in my father's house. Well, you know, that's, that's, well, we found out what happened. If you read, you should have read this part of the Bible if you've gone through, or going through the, okay, what happened? Gideon, Gets out behind the the, uh, the wine press. I think it was the wine press, and begins to do the work. We need to get behind, get out behind our covering and, and step up. And and look at and and then look at all the men that were available to Gideon. He had 30,000 to start off with. He says, okay, Lord, I'm ready now. I got 30,000. And the Lord says, no. And then it got whittled down. You don't need an army behind you. You just need the chosen few. Those that will see your vision with you. And you'll be a conqueror. You'll win the battle. Okay. Oh, well... Let's look at somebody else. I don't think anybody's in, in uh, Gideon's shoes at this point. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6. This is where... Isaiah is commissioned to do work. In other words, he's called upon. What is his excuse? Verse 5. Then I said, then said I, woe is me, for I am done, undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of unclean people. Un, uh, people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king and the lord of hosts well don't choose me I I live with, with people that are unclean and I'm just as bad I, I let my, my I don't follow, follow through on what I'm supposed to say because I just follow the crowd 
I've got this. I speak the same language as the crowd, so don't pick me. Well, what did the Lord say? What did the Lord do? It's I'll fix you up. I'll send an angel. This is what we need to do. Lord, send an angel and uh, burn my lips. So, so I don't speak something wrong. Wouldn't it be nice if we were, we were, you know, doing something and the Lord says, okay, do this. And we say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And all of a sudden, your lips start to burn. You can't get the words out, the, the negative things. All, uh, I, uh, if we have God's word in our hearts, only the good stuff is going to come forth. Amen? Amen? So, you know. Isaiah's objection is, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I dwell with unclean people. You know, we, I don't know. You know, I, you know, I hang out with that bad crowd over there and, you know, we kind of, you know, tell stories and don't choose me because, you know, the wrong thing will slip out. Hello? I am a man of unclean lips. The Lord says, I'll fix you. <laughs> so don't make any excuse there. <laughs> no. I think I'll, I'll pray that over each and every one of us. <laughs> you know, when something, something, when we're going to say something wrong, our lips are going to burn. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> Nothing would come out. <laughs> yeah, you know that person is a great person. He never speaks bad. He's burning lips. I tell you. <laughs> You can only speak what God tells you to speak. We need to, you know, some of us need to pick up on that. I think I need to pick up on that one. <laughs> Can't say I'm, I'm poor like, like uh, and the least in my father's house anymore because I've been, we've been part of a chosen generation. And now we've been called and he says, I'll fix you up. You won't have to worry about your lips anymore, what you speak, I'm gonna help speak. Speak, help you speak out. Okay. Let's go to another individual. Right after the book of Isaiah, we find the book of anybody? Jeremiah. Okay, let's go to the first chapter of Jeremiah. Here's another person. He didn't say I have unclean lips. He says something else. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6. Then I, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Whoa. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to do all that, that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou, thee, thou shalt speak. So we have no excuse. You, you, we find out that Isaiah was an older individual and he had unclean lips, but now you're saying, I'm just new at this. I just got born again. I, I, I'm just a kid. I'm a baby. Hello? 
Lord says, I'll fix that. I'll give you words to speak. Boy, there's no excuse for us, is there? No longer a child. Well, you might be a child, but you can speak, you can, you can speak out the things of God. That's what children's church is for. You teach the children how to speak. Amen. Pray in the name of Jesus. Cast out things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let them decree and declare Amen. the things of the, of the Lord. And they shall be overcomers. So, a child, you, you know, you can't, can't say I'm a child. Okay. Okay. We're going to go to somebody else. Who do you think we should pick on this time? I know he's in here. I may have to back up someplace. We will find the book of Noah if I go fishing enough here. Noah. What did I put Noah down there for? <laughs> The book of Jonah. Well, that's a good one. Oh. <laughs> You're just a child. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to the book of Jonah. If you found the book of Noah... Well, maybe Noah did bite. Uh, <laughs> we'd have to go to the, go back to Genesis. <laughs> but Jonah. <laughs> well, we'll start with verse 1 with Jonah. And now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of, of Ammonet, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before thee. Look out, here we go. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tars, Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. Now, we just got through singing the presence of the Lord, how great it is. Here's somebody that is wanting to escape the presence of the Lord. He ran. How many of you ever did that? The Lord is asking you to do something. Oh, no, 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 not me. You mean, you, you really want me to... to, to to witness it? No, 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 no. Well, that's what... Who? Jonah, not Noah. Not me! I'm not going to witness that. I know what's going to happen. They're going to receive. But I'm shy. So I'm going to run away. Nobody's ever run away from the Lord when, when God's called you to do... That's running away from God's presence. 
When you run from God's presence, you enter into darkness and whose presence are you now in? And you begin to listen to that, that crook. Okay. So Jonah runs from God and abandons that what the Lord had sent him to do. And so there's a, you know, he's on that ship going to Tarsus and all of a sudden there's a big storm. And they're throwing everything out because the ship's going to sink. And uh, there, there's Jonah down there <laughs> twiddling his thumbs, you know. <laughs> I hope they don't find out what I did. <laughs> what are you doing down here? How come, how, many, how come I'm running from the Lord? If you, if you want to save yourselves, throw me overboard. Jonah said, I got this made. You know, I'm not going to go there. The ship's not going to the other. He, they throw him overboard and he gets swallowed up. He spends a couple of nights, three nights, in the belly of the fish or the whale. Go check it in the children's church. And guess where he ends up? Exactly the place that he, he want, didn't want to go to. And he still didn't want to do things there. Why? Because he knew God's mercy would save these people. And, he, and when they got saved, and he was still angry. Well, that's, that's staying in the presence of darkness. We don't want that. You can't have that. Okay. Shall we pick on somebody else? You know. We won't find Noah this time. <laughs> the book of Noah. That's a good oh, Better go back to school. I wonder how many times I've read the book of Noah. Okay, find Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We find this is about Moses. <clears throat> verse 11. Exodus 3, verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who? Me? Who am I? And you're going to find out everybody else had excuses. And here is the, the, one of the greatest prophets or leaders of Israel. He didn't have one excuse. He had multiple, multiple excuses. Wow. Oh, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to find the scripture and tell you what we got here. We know that what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for the welfare 
and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome or your final reward. Glory to God. Who am I? Who, me? When we fall short of accomplishing the goals that God set before us, it's not because God has failed in giving us the proper tools. Um, it's failure on our part because we allow obstacles within ourselves or in our heart. Uh, and we follow that attitude and it short circuits our faith. God called you to do something. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have enough faith to do that. Who, me? Okay. The result is that God's power is hindered and we cannot become the person that he desires us to be when we put up excuses. Uh, again, Moses is an illustration of how disruptive objections can be. Uh, again, verse 11. Who am I that I should go, go into Pharaoh? I'm nobody of importance. God's response to Moses was, you'll succeed because I'll go with you. Amen. God says, I'll go with you. Whatever you... Jesus, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have the Holy Spirit residing with you at all times. Even when you walk in darkness, the Holy Spirit is there. He doesn't like it. He's asking you to throw it off, but he's never going to leave you nor forsake you unless you kick him out completely. You get in such a backsliding state that you don't want any part of God, that's when he'll leave you. But other than that, he will stick with you if there's a chance for you to turn it around. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Let's go to verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and, and, say, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Well, I don't have any answers for people. God, I don't have any answers for people. So God answers that particular question um, to inform Moses what he is expected to do in his mission. He says, you're going to lead the people of Israel, your brothers and sisters of Israel, out into the promised land. I've got it all planned out. Going back to Jeremiah 29, 11. I've got it all planned out. Follow through on the plan. Chapter 4. Verse 4. Of verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But, behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they shall say, The Lord 
hath not appeared unto thee. Well, God gives him instructions how to talk to the children of Israel. Remember that little rod, that staff that he had? It changed things. So, what's that in your hand? What has God put in your hand? What's, what has God put in your mouth to change things? Amen. In other words, Moses says, I can't stand rejection. What? <laughs> How many times have you knocked on the door or witnesses that somebody says, I don't want you. I, 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 I'm sorry, uh, uh, come back a later time or I don't believe that type of stuff. That's rejection. Uh, I hate being rejected when, somebody, when, when you talk to somebody about the Lord because you know if they don't change, they have an eternal, eternity that is not set for, for anything but the devil. Well, what else did Moses say? Four, chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, Neither therefore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So, see, Lord, <laughs> you can't depend on me. I, 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 I stutter. I can't get things out right. They'll laugh at me. Well, God's reply to Moses is, Take Aaron with you. You tell Aaron, he'll listen, and then he'll tell the people. That's, that one missed out too. I, all these excuses. You know, all, these, all these individuals that God has called, they have excuses, but God has given them a provision to do the job correctly. Amen. So what is your excuse? God's given you the provision. Just turn around. What's in your hand? What's in your mouth? Hello? Take somebody with you if need be. We're two or three gathered. Go out in twos. You speak and they'll pray. Bind the devil before you speak to that individual. You've got a job to do. Each and every one of us has a job to do. Well, what, what, what other excuses <laughs> Moses have? Well, look at verse 13. And he said, O Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou hast well sent. In other words, let's read that from the Amplified. Verse 13. And he said, O, o my Lord, I pray you, send by the hand of some other whom you will send. In other words, who? Me? Not me. Don't you, don't you know the list I've given you, Lord, is... is 
is vast in its array and it's overpowering. I can't do a good job. Wow. God replies that, God replies that he will uh, tell Moses what to speak and he'll, re again, relay it to Aaron and we'll get things done. I'll teach you what to say. Glory to God. What, is it, what does one of the scriptures say? I don't have it written down. I know it's not. It may be in the book of Noah. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it say in, in, in the scriptures that don't be concerned when you stand before those, I'll give the words for you. Okay, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to say in this position, but you said you'd give me the words. Holy Spirit, rise up big within me. Oh, glory to God. Excuses for disobedience haven't changed much since then. Believers cite today poor self-image, ignorance of God's word, self-doubt, Feelings of inequitous, can get the word out. And a fear of failure. Has any of those familiar with anybody here besides myself? Well, he says, hey, don't worry about it. Step out. Just like Peter, step out of the boat. Uh, nobody's going with me, Lord. Step out. So does Moses' objections look familiar? Is there some service God has called you to do, but you've been objecting, objecting to do it? Don't, don't raise your hand. Because I might ask you, <laughs> See, God's no respecter of persons. Then why would he give you an assignment and be, not give you the same direction that he gave to Moses and the others? He always gives you a path to victory. He didn't say, oh, well, you're, you know, you're going the wrong direction and you know, just follow through on it. I mean, when you... When we go the wrong direction, you might get swallowed up by a whale. Hello. You might get swallowed up in the situation, circumstances you're in, and I'll find out, oh, God, what I got myself into now. And find out you're going to be standing in front of the person or the individuals or the situation, and you're going to have to speak it out. Oh, God, you don't have to be on the merry-go-round or that merry-go-round that goes around in the same rut. God's going to pull you out of it. When we are called to serve, our strength, our skills, and wisdom do not matter. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You look at you know, Gideon, you look at the rest of the group there. It doesn't matter to God. He says, you're the one that has been selected to do the job. 
Quit complaining. Let's get the work, work over, done, and finished. Amen. The Lord does the work through us. He doesn't seek out the most qualified person. Well, I know so-and-so can do it better. He says, I've got them on another assignment. You are called to do this assignment. Go out there and pray for that individual. Knock on the door. Go to that hospital room. Do what you need to do. Yeah, but somebody else is better at it. If God's called you to do it, do it. You'll see, the, you'll see the, the results or you have planted a seed. Amen. Okay. It said God calls men and women who are willing to surrender themselves to him for the job that he's called you to do. Okay. Okay. Now hear me now. I got this written down here. Now hear me now. Are you listening? Okay. We've got a few of you there. This is a call for all believers. This is a smaller group than those who are called themselves Christians. You know, we can go across the United States, around the world, and to different churches or locations, and you're going to find, quote, Christians. I mean, everybody's got that. I mean, you walk in the church and you attend there and you are called a Christian, right? But that doesn't mean you are a believer. Okay, so we narrowed it down. You're a smaller group than those that are called Christians. You are believers. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But we can go even further than that. Are you ready? We can go a little more further, further in depth. This is what we call, the next group is called followers or disciples. There's a lot of believers out there. They know the word of God and so forth. And they're wanting to do things, but they are not followers or disciples. Followers or disciples are those who passionately pursue the Lord's will to do things. Amen. Amen. I'm believing that we got disciples and, and followers here and not just believers. Because a believer will speak the words, but they are not action. Okay? Not action people. Trusting in the Lord Jesus is fundamental. To Christians, okay? But this is, this is the first step and not the final step Amen. of Christianity. And honoring the Lord with our actions, speech, uh, this increase and increasing our biblical, uh, biblical awareness or wisdom is required to be more than a Christian, to be a believer and then a follower and a disciple. So we can categorize the church as Christians, believers, and disciples. There are going to be a lot of Christians that are not going to make it. Because you see, we read that in the, in the ten virgins, they're all 
but only five made it. So there's a lot of Christians, quote, by label, are not going to make it. I believe the believers have a better chance of doing things, but I know that the disciples and followers are going to make it because they put action to their faith. So there's a lot of, you know, churches, you've got a lot of churches that have believers in them. They believe the word like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. They study the word, but then do they follow, follow through on it? There's a lot of scholars or a lot of believers that know the word. They can take you in and out and teach you all that type of stuff. But if they're not doing the word, James says, if you're not doing the word, your faith is dead. Heavy, heavy. Okay. We are called to go from glory to glory. Increase, increasing an intimate relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. Yes, amen. Not just on Sunday or Wednesday. Or, you know, um, having prayers over your meals. A lot of people think that that's enough. That's the Christian. I believe a few of those Christians will make it, but you've got to believe it. You've got to be a believer and push forward or further into the Lord Amen. by being a follower or a disciple. Amen. A disciple or, or a follower's life can be summed up by the phrase complete obedience. Okay. Okay. I'm talking to the choir, as they say. Let's go to chapter uh, John chapter 14. That's John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Looking at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto, unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. There you go. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. In other words, you've got to be a doer of the word. We've got to be what the word tells us to do. We need to do it. That's a disciple. That's a follower. A Christian will hear it. A believer will adhere to it, but maybe not follow through on it. We want to go from the initial step. Now, I'm not saying that uh, the uh, thief on the cross didn't make it. He didn't have time, but he believed. We need to move forward in the things of God. We just can't just sit still. We are the last day. We are the last day's church. We are, we are the church, it says in the last days, that will have signs and wonders. We have to prepare for it. The only people are going to be, 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 be the only person 
that are ready to do it are those that are, are pushing the envelope or envelope of doing what God's called you to do, what, however stupid it sounds. Okay. We will either, uh, John, this is John chapter uh, 14, 23. We will either say, I will, or I won't. It's tempting to say, yes, I will. But the, in the back of our minds, sometimes there are other things that we place higher priority value to. You know. Yes, I'll do it. Oh, I forgot about that. I've got to do this. What's our, where's our priority? I know there, there are certain things you swear to your own hurt, but oftentimes you're going to have to break some of that stuff. And I know it says you need to swear to your hurt and follow through on it, but if, if it's something of a worldly thing matched up against something the Lord's asking you to do in the spiritual realm, you better do it in the spiritual realm. Okay? But swear to your own hurt. If you said you're going to do something... Follow through on it. But don't let it hinder your spiritual walk. If it's going to hinder your spiritual walk, cut the thing out. Just say, I made a mistake. Uh, I've got something more important. You know, something has arisen. You know, people will accept that. Um, again, but back in the minds, there may be other things that we place higher value or priority on. Um, so I put down the big oops. We cannot be misdirected. All right. Let's now turn, let's go back uh, to the first book of, I'm going to catch you on this one, the first book of the New Testament. Kasha, didn't I? Ha. <laughs> Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, we want to begin with verse 28. Jesus is speaking. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second son and said likewise. And he answered and said, I will go, sir. And he went not. I'm going to put it in the category of Christian, the church. Which one are we? Which one do you, do you, what category do you fall into? I speak to myself also. What category do I fall into? What, what, what do we do when God asks us to do something? I don't want to do it. Or we say, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I pledge I'm going to do that and never show up. This is a sobering sermon. This is something we need to ponder and make, or make the proper adjustments to fulfill God's plans in our life.
Let's go to another one. Let's go to the book of Luke. And we're about done. Oh, they're going to love me in children's church. I was told not to get them out this early, but... <clears throat> Luke chapter 9. Okay, Christian, believer, and disciple or follower. Which one are we? Luke chapter 9. Look at the last verse. Verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. From the Amplified, Jesus said unto him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. In other words, we have to remain focused. Um, Back in those days, when they plowed the field, it was with oxen or a mule or something, and they, and they had to set their eye on one location so they get a straight furrow, make a straight line. Well, Jesus says, if, if you're a Christian, you have, you've got to have your eyes set on what I've called you to do. Run the race, as Paul says, that ye may win. So if, if you're looking behind, or even, even today, if you are driving a tractor with the plows behind you, and if you start looking around, your line is going to be like this. It shows you that you, you weren't consecrated. Consecration? Well, anyway, what, you weren't focused, okay? We need to be focused on what God calls us to do. Whatever he's called us to do, we need to be focused to it. And don't quit. He says, if you quit and look back and say, oh, well, you know, it's not good. If you don't make straight lines or furrows, you miss the mark by not accomplishing what you're required to do. The discouraged Christian and believers oftentimes plow a crooked row or often plow a crooked line. A Christian or believer will plow a crooked line. Because they are looking over the shoulder to dwell on past regrets or peering around to see what pleasures are awaiting them. I'm doing a good job. Oh, wow, that's kind of neat. God, always keep our eyes on what God has called us to do. You know, there's a time, there's, there's going to be a time of reward. Unfortunately, many, many, most of our rewards are in heaven. There, there's pleasures that he gives us here. But our reward is for being, having, have been done, boy, having done a good job here on earth. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, not well. That was, I would say, would be a Christian or a believer. The well done would be the follower and disciple. What category do you want to be put in? Or what category would 
The Lord puts you in right now. You can't, I can't answer that question for you. You have to answer that question. What category would the Lord put you in? Christian, believer, or disciple? Okay. You're quiet out there. Distractions slow you down and keep you as, we're talking about plowing now, keep you as babies and adolescents lacking any maturity. So when God calls us to do something and we get distracted and doing something else, it shows that we have immaturity. We're a child. We don't, we're not following through. I mean, um, all of us have known children or have children or, and you tell them to do something and pretty soon they are focused at the first thing. We ask Laurel, you ask your, chil- your, your children church, or children church, well, I could do that too, but, but your school, you have the kids do something and what happens after a couple of minutes? All over the place. Well, they don't, they don't have the focus because they're not mature yet. But there's too many of us, quote, Christians, believers, we don't have the focus. We have to be disciples. Okay. A disciple or follower remains loyal and faithful to the Lord's bidding, whether it be easy or hard. Oh, this is easy. I can do it. And all of a sudden, something hard comes. Oh, let John do it. Let Whitney do it. Let Mike do it. You know, I don't want to do that. Remember, it, it, we're all running for the prize. And he doesn't choose you for your qualifications. He chooses you because he's called you to do the job. To bring you up a notch, not to lower you down. Okay. God knows we won't live perfectly. Okay. But He looks for a surrendered heart that diligently seeks Him. Who? Me? Amen. Okay. Who me? Don't tell her how short it was again. <laughs> you could say, she asked you, who me? I don't know. There's, there's some meat there. Uh, we're just going to uh, have some music. We're just going to open up uh, the communion table, and you come up here, and uh, we'll all get our emblems. For I have received the Lord that which also I deliver unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament. In my blood, this do is off as ye drink it in remembrance of me.
God has so graciously supplied and met every need of our spirit, soul, and body. The bread represents the body of Jesus, the bruises, the stripes. And scripture tells us by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Disease and sicknesses. were seized violently from us. So Father, we praise you, we just give you thanks for the blessing for the bread in Jesus' name. The cup that represents the blood of Jesus. It's a New Testament. We are the blood washed. We've been adopted into the family of God. All things are new. Father, we praise you for the gift of Jesus and the blood that washes away our sins. Amen. Amen. Well, I know you've got a meeting whether it's going to be in the foyer or children's church. So be blessed. Find out your assignments. Rise to the occasion. Go to the next level. Amen. Um, so with that thought, let's all... Thank you for being here. Who? Me. <laughs> and uh, you're blessed going in and going out. What you put your hand to shall prosper. So I'm standing next to the Wi-Fi. Touch her, she's going to prosper. So, if there's somebody by you, just touch them. Say, you're going, to, they're going to, you're going to prosper in the name of Jesus. While you're having your meeting, I'm going to slip out. Okay. So, Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks for this great day that you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that we can meet the challenge, Father God, that you've set before us. And, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we go from glory to glory that we would be a blessing not only to you, but Father God, our fellow men, as we share the good news of the gospel. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you. <laughs>